Hello, my name is Dr. Francine Marcus from Monash University, Australia, and I'm the chair of the International Society of Hypertension Mentoring and Training Committee. Today I have with me Professor Rian Taus, uh, who is the director of the Institute of Cardiovascular and Medical Sciences at the University of Glasgow, and the first female president of the International Society of Hypertension. Thank you so much, Brian, to agree to uh, give us an interview. It's an absolute pleasure, Francine. I'm delighted to be here with you. Um, so let's get started. Sure. Um, so um, if you could define uh, mentorship, your mentorship experience in one word, what would that be? Priceless. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a very nice way to put it. Yeah. it it's, it's so valuable that it doesn't even have a price. It's Wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, why do you think that mentorship is important? Mentorship is important because I feel one can always learn from others and especially from those who might have gone through a different path as to the one that you're going through. So I think mentorship, being part of a mentoring team is really important. Yeah. And uh, when in your career did you realize that you needed a mentor? I guess it was as a postdoctoral fellow when everything seemed so confusing and there were so many decisions to be made as to which path to take. I guess that's when I realized that mentoring was really important. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's very nice. Yeah, um, like from my experience, um, I didn't realize the importance or even like how I would get a mentor and all of those things. So that's really nice to see like that when you're postdoc, you, you did. I think that only came to me much later in my career. And yeah. it sort of came, um, it was almost a natural process because as you're going through all the development and the, you know, the paths with the career decision-making, um, one does look out for others who've been along that path and, and mentoring is really important. But I guess the earlier you can engage with a mentor, the, the better it is. Yeah. And can you give me any examples of ways that you have helped your own mentees? Sure. Um, when I mentor a mentee, and I should say that I've mentored a number of um, mentees. I, I would imagine, yeah. And interestingly, some of them I haven't even met face to face. Oh, wow. So, for example, I've got quite a few mentees that I mentor who are in the United States, for example, and in other parts of the UK. But the one thing that I have found that really works in terms of um, establishing a relationship between a mentor and a mentee is that I really let the mentee do the talking. Uh -huh. um, this is a time for them to share with me their concerns, their issues, their vulnerabilities. And I'm really there to listen, to guide, and to make suggestions. So yeah. listening is very important. Yeah, no, that's, that's mm. great, yeah. And uh, what traits do you think a good mentee has? Um, a good mentee is somebody who wants to be mentored because not everybody wants to be True. mentored. I think yeah. this is very, very important. A mentee should be open-minded. Um, they should be willing to learn from others, to hear what others, uh, the mentor has to say. And um, they have to be comfortable enough to be able to share their concerns, their issues with the mentor. And I think this is what makes a good mentee-mentor re relationship. Yeah. And uh, how do you set uh, SMART goals for your mentoring relationship? 
Um, and, and who does that? Who does that? Yeah. So this, I think this, what makes a successful relationship is when the mentee actually drives the whole process. I agree. Yeah. I think this is so important. Um, the mentee should drive the discussion and the mentor should then engage in what the discussion is. I think what is really important in a successful, productive mentee-mentor relationship is setting goals. Uh-huh. This is important. It shouldn't just be... Um, a social chit chat. You know, it, it's really important that goals are set, that um, plans are set, and um, I think, and again, this should be driven by the mentee. And I think that really does help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. very good advice. Yeah, and uh, how did you overcome talking to someone you find intimidating? Oh, this happens a lot it happens. <laughs> i can't imagine that oh, helping yes. i imagine everybody else is intimidated mm. to talk to you oh, i hope <laughs> not intimidating i really hope not but um yes through one's career as a student as a trainee as a fellow as a young junior doctor even today one still gets intimidated oh, wow. but the one thing that i've learned and maybe this has been something that one learns with experience and a little bit of age and a bit of seniority actually is that I learned that my opinion is as important as the next person's mm-hmm. opinion. They may not agree with it, they may think it's a silly idea, but realizing that what I have to say actually is has as much value as somebody else. Uh-huh. That's very important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you identify a toxic mentorship relationship? Uh, how do you identify when things are not working and uh, how, how do you go about it? I think this is really important and it's important to identify. And this can happen in any type of relationship, whether it's in a, in a work association or a mentoring association or relationship. I think the important thing is that goals and ambitions should be shared um, between the parties. I think when goals and ambitions are different, that's when there might be concerns. Mm-hmm. Also when the work ethos may be different between the different parties, you might run into problems. Um, with all of this, communication is absolutely essential. It's essential. If one feels that a relationship or an association or a work interaction is not working, it's important to try and identify why, what are the problems, where are the obstacles, what is it that's making negative energy. Mm-hmm. And I always, something I always tell my trainees or people with whom I work, if there's negative energy, walk away from it yeah. because it just breeds more negative energy and that's when you start feeling this toxic dynamic or environment. I think the one thing that's really important to appreciate is that everybody comes with different backgrounds, different cultures, different um, attitudes. It's important to respect um, diversity amongst people working in groups together. But if things are not working, it's important to identify and to try and resolve. And the one way I have learned um, to for conflict resolution is when um, it's clearly identified what the expectations are mm-hmm. between the different parties even if it's a mentor and a mentee or a supervisor and a trainee or a junior doctor and a senior doctor I think 
identifying the expectations and then writing the expectations down and sharing them. And if you realize that you both have completely different expectations from each other, then it's time to really rethink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but the one thing also I think is really important, if you've identified what you have defined as a toxic environment or a toxic relationship, I think it's better to, and, and it's not resolvable, it's better to walk away from it because to continue to be in a toxic relationship or environment starts building up resentment and all this negative yeah. stuff. So that becomes unproductive. Yeah. No, thank you. That's very good advice, and and I agree with um, with the issue around the expectations. A lot of problems, not just with mentoring relationships, but any type of relationships, uh, they start because people have different expectations and they didn't communicate them. Absolutely, and yeah. then you get disappointment. Yeah. And absolutely, yeah, no, very good point. Yeah, and uh, do you have any advice for women in hypertension research specifically? Um, yes. The advice that I would give for women hypertension researchers is the same that I would give to men or to anybody actually. And the advice that I would give for a researcher wanting to pursue a career in research or in a research associated career is to work hard, to be tenacious, as I've mentioned before. to set goals and ambitions, but very importantly to make sure that these goals and ambitions are actually realistic. Mm -hmm. It's no point making goals and ambitions that are not realistic. So um, that's what I would say for men, for women, for everybody. That's that's wonderful advice, yeah. And uh, do you have any advice in general of how to identify a good training environment? I'll share with you what I think is important when one looks into a training environment. It's important that you visit or have information or insights about the training environment before you commit yourself. And sometimes it's not always possible to go physically, but you can gather information from people in the lab or from people who visited or the supervisor. So being well informed is critical. I really tell my trainees, my own children, if you make a decision, be as informed as possible. So be informed about the environment. If you, it's really important that you get a sense from the people working in the lab or wherever it is you want to train, what sort of a team, what sort of dynamics there are between the members of the team, um, because that will also tell you what sort of environment it is, if it's a collaborative, collegial type of environment, or whether it's an environment where there's little collegiality. So, and this is, if you have the opportunity to talk to the technicians, the managers, the students, the trainees, the fellows, and I think, as I said, the more information you have, the better. And the best way to do it is to actually go and spend a bit of time. also, I think it's important that if you are going to choose a supervisor, it's, it's a good idea to ensure that your supervisor has projects that are of interest to you and importantly has enough funding yeah. to make sure that they can protect you while you're working in the labs. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brian, you run a very successful and mm-hmm. the impression that I get very happy as a lab. People seem to really work, mm-hmm. uh, be happy working with you and working in the lab. 
What do you think makes your lab such a good place to work? I think all the things I've mentioned come into play. The one thing is that I'm a very big proponent of positive energy. So we really focus on the positive things, the negative aspects we try and address. Um, deal with them and move on. We don't let negative feelings, negative situations um, become a major part of the lab. Um, I try as much as I can to listen to my staff, to have respect is absolutely essential in my lab. For, there's respect mm -hmm. for everyone at every level. Um, and as I said, all the things that I mentioned earlier, yeah. so those yeah. are yeah. And of course, one has to enjoy what one's doing in our so Very hope true. They're all enjoying. Yeah. The other thing is making sure that the people working in the lab are doing projects that they are interested in. Because if they're not interested in the project, then that also sometimes doesn't work well. Yeah, so. no, that's very good advice. Thank you so much. This is wonderful and I'm sure people find it very helpful. Oh, it's a yeah. total pleasure, Francine. And good luck as you take over this very important job.